Chapter 4 Arthur and the Sixth Roundabout Eva drove her jeep along the bypass with Harry sitting next to her. Edie and Felix were in the back seats, and Cyril and Ludwig were back at the lighthouse, sulking. The jeep travelled across the first five roundabouts on the bypass, and they were now approaching the sixth. How do we get onto the sixth roundabout to visit Arthur? Edie asked. We need to wait until there's no traffic behind us and turn hard right after the sign for Derek's Donuts, said Harry. I love Derek's Donuts, said Edie. There's the sign, yelled Felix. Eva yanked the steering wheel to the right and the jeep jumped up and over the curb, hit the roundabout and shot through the trees and bushes in front of them. They came to a halt at a clearing, which was the centre of the roundabout and not visible from the road because of all the greenery. Now what? said Edie. You'll see, said Felix. It's brilliant. A large circle of grass in the middle of the clearing began to move. It was rotating as it rose. Beneath the circular slab of moving grass was a stone building, and as it got higher, they could see windows all the way around it. The building rose higher and higher, and when it stopped, it looked like two tiers of a wedding cake with a grass-covered top. Come on, said Felix, grabbing Edie's hand. Let's go and see Arthur. Felix bolted through a blue door at the front of the building with Edie behind him. Arthur was sitting in a comfortable chair holding a tortoise and polishing its shell with a coat of oil. When Felix and Edie burst in, the tortoise pulled its legs and head into his shell. But curiosity got the better of him and he poked his nose and beady black eyes back out of his shell to inspect the visitors. "'Good morning, Felix, my boy,' said Arthur. Harry and Eva entered the room next. "'Hello, brother,' said Arthur to Harry." And Felix, who's the young lady? This is my best friend Edie, and this is her mum, Eva, said Felix. I know Eva. Good to see you. Well, I'd better make some tea then, said Arthur. Harry and Eva, make yourselves at home. Felix and Edie, follow me. Arthur wandered through to the kitchen, and Edie noticed how much he looked like Harry. Just younger, shorter, and with wild curly hair. The kitchen was behind the lounge, and all the cupboards were blue. Arthur handed the tortoise to Felix and said, Put Errol back to bed, please, while I make the tea. And Felix placed Errol on a little bed in his house which was shaped like a castle. Sit yourselves down, Arthur said, pointing to a little round table with round stools beneath it. Then he popped a ready-made batch of scones into the oven. I'm experimenting with orange scones today. I hope you like them, he said. Mmm, said Felix. Arthur sat at the table with them, put his chin onto his hands and whispered to them both, so, what's going on then? Edie leaned forward and whispered back, My granddad has gone missing. We tried to find him on Longfish Island, but we couldn't, and then some men broke into Grandad's lighthouse at night when me and Felix were asleep, but we managed to escape, and Harry said we should come to you for help. Oh, and Felix keeps lighting up like a light bulb every time he goes near gold. Right. I need a quick chat with Harry and Eva, and then I'll be back. Help yourself to some bubblegum, said Arthur pointing to an enormous jar on the window sill. Felix helped himself to two blue pieces of bubblegum and stuffed them into his mouth. Edie chose a yellow piece which made her eyes water, it was so lemony. He's a bit potty, your Uncle Arthur, said Edie. Yep. Nice though, isn't he, said Felix. Let me show you upstairs, Arthur won't mind. Are you sure, said Edie. Yep, he's cool about things like that, said Felix. Next to Errol's castle was a narrow set of steps leading upstairs. Felix and Edie climbed up and Errol watched them from his bed of newspaper on the top floor of his castle. 
Upstairs was one room with a bed and a clothes rail. Great, said Edie. It's not that exciting, Felix. Ah, but wait, said Felix. Check this out. And he stood next to the bed and thumped the wall. The wall slid up and disappeared into the ceiling to reveal another room. Inside were lots of monitors mounted on a wall, each screen showing a different view from the roads outside. Why are the screens all monitoring roundabouts? said Edie. Arthur looks after all the roundabouts on the bypass. He monitors traffic and reports anything unusual to the government. Look at this, Felix said, pointing to a donut machine next to the desk. Arthur got it free from Derek's donuts for agreeing to have the sign up on the roundabout. Do people know about Arthur living on the roundabout then? Edie asked. No way, said Felix. Hardly anyone knows it. It wouldn't be much of a lookout if they did. Derek from Derek's Donuts thinks Arthur works for a council and that the donut machine will buy him a few favours. Brilliant, said Edie. I think it's a great hideaway. Are you two coming down for your orange scones yet? Arthur shouted up. Edie and Felix climbed down the stairs and Errol, who had a piece of lettuce dangling from his mouth, pulled his head into his shell and left the lettuce dangling like a deflated balloon. They all sat and ate the orange scones coated with orange curd in Arthur's lounge which had a huge window overlooking all the greenery in the middle of the roundabout, which looked just like a jungle. I've been chatting to Harry and Eva, and we've decided that you should both come with me on a tour of the roundabouts for today, and possibly tomorrow, so that they can get on with a couple things. What things, said Edie. It's nothing to worry about, said Eva. We want to make sure the lighthouse is secure, said Harry. Great, said Felix. Let's go, Arthur. Harry and Eva made their way out of Arthur's hideaway, and when they were gone... Arthur disappeared and came back with two bags. He handed one of the bags to Felix. That's food for our trip, said Arthur. The other bag was over Arthur's shoulder like a handbag, and inside it was Errol. Arthur lifted a trapdoor in the lounge floor and climbed down the steps beneath it. Come on, he called. Felix and Edie followed him down the steps, which were dark and cold, and they entered a huge underground garage. It was brightly lit, and in it there were four different cars. A jeep, similar to Eva's, a small sports car, a pickup truck, and a van. Around the walls there were cupboards with all kinds of tools. Arthur opened up the pickup truck and placed Errol carefully on the dashboard. Then he motioned for Felix and Edie to get in. He started the engine and pressed a button on a remote control, which opened the garage door in front of them. Here we go, said Arthur. The truck shot forwards into a dark tunnel. As it hurtled through the tunnel, Errol was jiggling about on the dashboard, so Edie picked him up and put him on her knee. They were belting along at speed, and Felix couldn't stop grinning. The tunnel became lighter and started to slope uphill. Without warning, the truck shot out of the tunnel, lurching upwards, and landed onto grass. "'Welcome to the fifth roundabout,' said Arthur. "'That was brilliant,' said Felix. "'Is Errol used to that trip?' said Edie. Yes, he's done it a million times, said Arthur, smiling. Errol climbed out of his bag onto the grassy roundabout and did a poo. Nice, said Felix. Edie wondered what was going to pop up out of the ground on this roundabout, but nothing did. This way, said Arthur, and he led them through the shrubbery and beneath what looked like a treehouse above them. That's the lookout tower for the fifth. They came across a drain cover which Arthur lifted. Hold your noses and follow me. And with that, he jumped into the drain. Felix followed next, but he didn't hold his nose. Poo! he yelled as he went down. Edie went next, 
and as she dropped through the tunnel, her tummy flipped like a pancake until she landed softly onto a giant beanbag and bounced off. They were in a big round room, which contained all kinds of things. There was a boxing ring and a punch bag, a kitchen with a huge table, tons of bookcases and a giant TV. Cool, said Felix. What is this place, said Edie. It's a training room, said Arthur. A training room for what, said Edie. For people like you, said Arthur. Felix scratched his head. And there's no time like the present to get started, Arthur winked. I want you both to put on these headphones and eye masks and go and sit on the beanbags. In about five minutes we'll see just what you two can do. Edie and Felix did as they were told, but Edie was frowning. Is he dangerous? Edie whispered to Felix. Nah, said Felix. No one who's that fond of a tortoise could be dangerous. A few minutes later, Arthur removed their headphones and eye masks and clapped his hands together. Edie, you go first. Have a wander around the room and tell me if you can smell anything interesting. Edie covered her mouth and nose. I can smell pondweed and it's really disgusting. It's making me feel sick. She walked over to the kitchen. It's getting stronger. I think whatever it is is coming from that cupboard. As she drew closer to the cupboard, another smell hit her. I can smell roses now. Well done, Edie. That's excellent. Your skills are advanced. You can go and sit down now, said Arthur. Edie plopped down onto a beanbag. Felix, it's your turn now. Have a little walk around the room and tell me if you feel anything. Felix set off and went straight for the boxing ring, but before he reached the ropes, he started to itch, and so he went to the other side of the ring. But the itching became worse. Have you got fleas in here, Arthur? Felix said, scratching his arms. Try not to scratch, Felix. I promise it'll pass, said Arthur. Felix climbed through the ropes and headed for the boxing gloves in the centre. As he got close to the middle, he began to glow. When he finally touched the boxing gloves, he flipped backwards and landed against the ropes. Ouch, said Felix, and he'd stopped glowing. Brilliantly done, Felix, said Arthur, clapping his hands. Come and sit down and I'll make us some drinks. Arthur brought over some chocolate and strawberry milkshakes and sat in front of Edie and Felix looking very pleased with himself. Edie O'Grady, your mum told me your gift has only just presented itself, but you're already quite advanced. In that kitchen cupboard is a pink diamond in a bucket covered with pond-fortified seaweed. Even the most gifted diamondites wouldn't have smelt the pink roses that diamond gives off. I'm impressed. Arthur took a big slug of strawberry milkshake and turned to Felix. And you, Mr Felix Ryan, have discovered your gift before your tenth birthday. It may have been Edie's gift that set you off, but nonetheless, your goldfishing skills are excellent. Those boxing gloves are stuffed with original gold, but they've been sprayed with nettle juice, and you still managed to touch them. So we did well, then? Edie asked. Yes, you did, said Arthur. But because you did so well, that also means I need to talk to you about the dangers of having the gifts you possess. Arthur rubbed his forehead. But first, I think we deserve a good lunch. How about fish finger sandwiches? Everyone tucked into their sandwiches, which were smothered in tomato sauce, and when they were finished, Arthur faced them looking very serious. Edie, the pondweed that I used to cover the smell of the pink diamond is something that's commonly used by pirates to disguise the smell of original diamonds from diamondites like you. If these pirates knew about the strength of your gift, they would try to capture you and use you to find diamonds for them. Pirates don't exist, said Edie. They certainly do, said Arthur. And that's why I'm going to teach you to defend yourself. 
What about me? asked Felix. The same goes for you too, Felix. Pirates use nettle juice as a matter of course to protect original gold from being detected by a goldfisher such as yourself. Most goldfishers couldn't bear the pain of being too close to the nettle juice, but you can, and that puts you in as much danger as Edie. What are diamondites and goldfishers? asked Edie. Ordinary people like everyone else from our island, said Arthur. What, what do you mean, our island? said Felix. Oh dear, said Arthur, looking puzzled. Hasn't anyone told you where your grandparents came from? I thought Grandad had always lived at the lighthouse, said Edie. My Grandad Jack lived with us before he died, said Felix. I hadn't thought about him living anywhere else. This is going to be a bigger job than I thought, said Arthur. I need to go and check what's going on from the lookout tower, so I need you two to practice your skills around the training room. See what you can find. Arthur climbed a metal ladder attached to the wall in the kitchen and disappeared through a hatch in the ceiling. I'm putting the telly on, Felix said, as soon as Arthur had gone, and he switched on the TV. Edie went to have a look around the kitchen, which still smelt of pondweed, but there was another smell which was making Edie's mouth water. It was floating up through the floor and straight into Edie's nostrils. The smell was toffee. Edie looked at the floor and saw a trapdoor, the same as the one at the lighthouse in the sixth roundabout. She lifted the trapdoor and climbed down the steps following the aroma of toffee. The air coming up through the trapdoor was warm and damp, and when she reached the bottom of the ladders, Edie turned around to see a beautiful pool. It was gently lit from the ceiling above, and it was glistening a pale orange colour. Edie stood next to the pool and saw that the water was clear, but the bottom of the pool was toffee-coloured. Edie was just about to shout Felix, but he beat her to it. Edie, where are you? You need to see this, Felix yelled. Edie climbed back into the kitchen. What are you yelling about, Felix? Look at the TV. It's that long-haired smelly bloke from Longfish Island. He's talking about the preservation of fish around the island and trying to ban people visiting it. I'll bet he is, said Edie. He doesn't want anyone to find the prison in the cave over there. Anyway, never mind that. Come and see what I've found. Edie took Felix beneath the kitchen and showed him the pool. Brilliant, said Felix. I'm going in. You haven't got your trunks, said Edie. I've got pants on, said Felix, and he stripped off and jumped into the pool. It's really warm, Edie. I'm sure it is, but we're supposed to be searching for things upstairs, said Edie. Well, you've been searching and you found this pool. That should be enough to find for one day, said Felix, splashing about. Shh, said Edie. I can hear something upstairs. Felix jumped out of the pool and leapt up the stairs, followed by Edie. They heard a dog barking above. What's going on? said Felix. Someone's coming. I can hear them, said Edie. The drain cover was being opened above, and something dropped through the hole and landed on the beanbags. It leapt up and came running towards them, it was Cyril, followed by Ludwig, who flew in and landed on Cyril's head. Ludwig, said Felix, as Ludwig landed on him and nipped his ear. Cyril, said Edie, giving Cyril a big kiss. What are you doing here? Arthur came crashing through the hole next and bounced off the beanbags. Harry just dropped them off. They're staying here with us tonight. Great, said Felix. Why, said Edie. The security issue at the lighthouse was a bit more complicated than they thought. Your mum's house has been broken into, and whoever broke in didn't steal anything. But they did leave a ransom note. 
and a photograph of your grandad Bill. He's alive, 